Good morning, everybody. Good to see you today. Good to see you in this new year. If you can hear me now, lift your hand up. All right, that's good. Well, I want to share a word of scripture with you as we begin this morning. Uh, it's found in the, the letter of Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 2. And I want us to think about these words because they're going to be important when we begin our message here in just a moment, okay? Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father God, we just come to you worshiping you today with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, seeking to, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we come to you with hearts uh, full of praise and with hearts full of thanksgiving. As we think back over 2023 and, and all of the different things we faced, you were, you were a provider for us. You provided for every need, uh, physical and spiritual and mental and emotional we just thank you for all the ways that you meet our needs and father as we head into a new year lord we know that we can trust you that if we will wait if we will watch to see where you're working and then if we'll join you where you're working lord that uh, that you will be with us and that we'll be able to accomplish uh, all that you've called us to uh, not for our own pleasure but for your good pleasure Help us to live that way. Help us to think about pleasing you and to live to your good pleasure in the coming days, in the coming year. Father, I lift up our church family to you that are not with us today, that maybe you're still traveling or at home sick. We lift up every person, Lord, and, we, and every family, Lord, and we just pray that you will uh, take care of them. We pray it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Godly. Let's try that one more time. Good morning, Godly. There we go. I knew you were out there somewhere. I'm so glad to see you this morning. Are you glad to be here? Amen. Me too. Oh, like, listen, I have bought something for Mr. Sharp. Mr. Sharp, show him what I got you. That's right. So if you won't be thinking we're going to be praising Jesus this morning, we certainly are. I have a question for you. Last week we talked about how many of you think and hope and pray that 2024 is better than 2023. Now, raise your hand again. Okay, now let me ask you a question. How is that going to happen? 
Prayer. Action. Action. Ooh, that's a good one, Amy. Action. Present. How about let's call it faith, too. Faith that God will provide. Okay, faith that God has something for us. Let's, let's stop looking backwards. We don't have eyes in the back of our head. The eyes of our, our, how our mind and our soul are in the front of our head. That means we look forward. We look forward to what Jesus has for us. We cannot say, well, it's never been that way before, or I don't think we can do that. Oh, yes, we can. If he called you to it, wait, I'm going to say that one more time. If he called you to it, he'll bring you through it. If he called you to it, he will bring you through it. How many of you have ever been in a situation you think, I can't do that, Jesus. I, I don't know how to do that. Did you do it? Yeah, you did. Because he called you to it. So stop saying no. Our word for this year is yes, we have faith. Okay? All right, stand up. Yes. Breathe. 
Amen. Jesus Messiah. 
Amen. Good job, everybody. You know, I read something the other day. Uh, if you if you don't come to this house, why is God wanting to let you into His house? That's why we're here. We're here to worship God with brothers and sisters, and it's time for you to say hello, Happy New Year, and yes, we're going to have faith to seven people. Go. to your seat, please. I love seeing how it's just like a giant family reunion here. I have missed y'all so much, even though I just got to see you all last week but it feels like a lot longer with break. If I have not had the chance to meet you, my name is Tori Connell. I'm the student minister here at FBC Godly, and it's just a pleasure to have y'all here. First off, I really want to say Happy New Year to all of y'all. Um, it's amazing that it's been almost a year since I've been here, and so just to see this all come around full circle has been awesome. Uh, I have a couple of announcements. First off, y'all are all going to be super excited, especially if you're a parent in the room because Awana starts back up this week. <laughs> and those of y'all who have older students in sixth through 12th grade, Godly Students starts back up this week as well. Uh, and the choir starts this week too. Wait, I have another question. Okay, so how many of you can't sing? Raise your hand. If God brought you to it, <laughs> he'll bring you through it. Seven o'clock, Wednesday night, we have a good time. Or if you can't sing, you can come join us in Godly Students. <laughs> um, we also have all of our different classes resuming. So the men's Bible study will resume Monday at 6.30 with Jason Hardcastle and Pastor Dave. The ladies' Bible study is starting the five aspects of women. Um, and they will have that Wednesday at 5.30. Uh, like I said, we have Awana Club, Godly Students, the choir, and... Nursery is now available on both Wednesdays and Sundays. So if you have littles and are wanting to come to any of those studies, please make sure that you know we are caring for your children here. We have nursery available. Uh, also have an announcement coming up real soon is going to be our chili cook-off and dessert auction that helps uh, send godly students to camp this summer. So if you would like to sign up to make some chili, it's $20. 
$20 entrance fee, but you have a chance to win a beautiful golden spoon. Ooh. But more importantly, a $100 gift card. <laughs> and then come ready to bid on some amazing desserts. We had a lot last year. I'm sure we're going to have even more this year. It'll be a fun time. Uh, my dad has already said his chili's going to win, and he's named it Nebuchadnezzar's Furnace, because if you walk with God, you will not get scorched. So good luck beating that one. I think it wins a name right now. But um, if you want to sign up, please see me after service. I can get you up on there. With that being said, if you'll stand and continue to worship with your church family this morning. songs because it speaks so clearly about our Jesus and it also talks to me about 
speaking to others about Jesus. Heather, do you know the sign to I speak Jesus? Come on. Bring the baby. Bring the baby. Come on. Come on. We're going to pass the baby off. Thank you, Karina. See 
Precious Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your devotion. And Father, that when we have faith, you will show us what to do. You will not shut us down. You have things and you have plans for us. And Father, help us not be the shutdown. Help us not lock the doors. Help us not say no. Help us to say yes with faith that you will bring us through it. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for this family that you've given us. Father, these brothers and sisters to be together with now and with you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this new year. In thy holy, precious name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, ladies. That was awesome. That's a good way to be thinking in 2024. Awesome. Well, we have Children's Church for those that would like to attend. Miss Lisa is here. And we're heading that way. I want to say a word of thanks to my dad for filling in for the past couple of Sundays. One of them was planned, but the, one, the other one was last minute, the first one. Oh, I, what do you have, two days? I think two days prep. But I tell you, I so appreciate him. And speaking of good examples, uh, humorous Mark Twain once made this statement. He said, few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, when you're, you're around a good example, it kind of makes you aware of your own shortcomings, doesn't it? In Philippians chapter 2, Paul paints a wonderful portrait of, of Jesus, and the, that's the text we shared earlier. The perfect example for a Christian. And in remembrance of that from verse 5, he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Well, preacher, there's no way on earth that we could possibly live out that example, is there? Well, you know, you're exactly right if you feel that way. It is... A high calling and in and of your own strength and my strength we don't have a prayer no way many have the desire but they don't have the discipline we see the portrait of Christ's example and in many ways we don't realize that he's given us the power within us it's available for a transformation to take place for the kind of transformation to take place that would allow us to live our lives for his good pleasure. And friends, that's why we're here. It's not about us, it's really about him and living for his good pleasure. Chuck Swindoll writes in his book, Laugh Again, about the many kinds of shortcuts that Christians try to take 
uh, to attain likeness of Christ. He says one of the ways that they go about it is just to fake it. And, you know, you can, you can get pretty far faking it for a while. But then when the truth starts to come through and people realize you're a phony, well, then you got egg all over your face. That's one of the ways. Another way is to try to hurry it up. Hurry up this transformation. It's sort of like a fast food approach to Christianity. I'll take a supersized Christian life, please. That won't be very costly, will it, if I use my app? Well, that depends on if you think that dying to self is a quick process or if you think that it's a costly venture. Well, if faking it won't work it and hurrying it up won't work it, maybe I'll just try harder. You ever done that? You ever tried extra hard to be really good? You know what that does? It just adds tiredness to your resume at the end of the day trying harder well preacher this transformation is uh, impossible right well according to Paul you don't have to fake it you don't have to hurry it up you don't have to try harder God has done everything possible to make the transformation possible to help you live a life that pleases him for Paul taught the believers at Philippi to work out their faith toward God's purposes with the power he provides and to live a life of joy. If you have your Bible open to Philippians 2, Philippians 2, and we're going to kind of central in on verse 12 to 18 today, Philippians 2, 12 to 18. Now, in most Bible versions, the first word in the text is therefore. And as you've heard, when you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. And if you think back to the scripture reading, uh, Christ's example is what the therefore is based on. And he says, therefore, uh, based on Christ's example of this one who, who had absolute power and glory, humbling himself and becoming a man and being obedient into death, he says, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I might rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain, Yes, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. I believe in many ways the past two years have been a season of recovery. When you think about all of the sickness and all of the stress, and all of the economic unrest that's been caused by a pandemic. It's been tough. And we've been recovering. And though our world is in a general state of unrest and uncertainty, praise God, real Christians don't have to be. When you know that God has, has your back, when you know that he's in control and he's going to provide, 
You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be at unrest. No, we Christians are called to shine as stars in a darkened world. And Paul explains how to go about achieving that in the text. You see, first, Christians are to work out their salvation as it applies to God's will and God's purposes. There's a reason why God saved you. There's a reason why you came to him in faith. And it's not just so that one day you'll live forever. It's because he has a, a purpose for you. So what does Paul mean when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? On the surface, it appears uh, that a Christian should be worried and concerned and, and, and uh, fretful about his own salvation. And for those who really don't follow Jesus or give him the time of day or spend any time in the scriptures, maybe they need to be a little bit fearful about the uncertainty. But the reality is, is when we really put our trust in him and we follow him and we get his word into our life, there's no need to be uncertain. And we need to remember also in the context here that Paul is writing to believers. He's writing to those who are already in Christ Jesus. And a person who's truly faced their, their faith in Christ can be certain of their salvation. Not because of what they have done, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Friend, you're not in Christ because you walked down an aisle or because you filled out a card or because you filled, uh, uh, prayed a certain prayer or because you joined a church. You are in Christ because you came and you gave your heart to Jesus. You believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And Paul said, those who confess with their mouth, believe in their heart, God has raised them from the dead, will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, when we put our faith in him, he saves us. And friend, as I've said many times before, Jesus didn't save you halfway. He saved you all the way. And he will keep you in his hand. For no one can snatch you from his hand and the Father's hand. There's certainty in that. And Paul is also not talking about working for your salvation because that's completely impossible. Now, what Paul is saying is that it's important for the church corporate and also individuals that make up the church to work out their salvation and what it means in terms of God's purposes for the church and God's purposes for your life. It's really what he's talking about. It requires a radical change in direction. Now, I want you to just stop and think a minute about the text we read earlier about Christ humbling himself and about Paul telling us to take on the mind of Christ. Our Lord and Savior who stepped out of glory, having made everything that there is all made through him and for him and by him and then becoming a humble servant. Does that not go exactly against the way the, the world operates today? And friends, if we're going to walk in Christ, it's going to require a radical change in thinking. We're going to have to take on a new mindset, and I think that's really what he's trying to say, a new mindset. It's not a worldly kind of mindset. It's a servant kind of mindset. And Paul is trying to get that across 
So we ask ourselves the question, how is that radical change possible? Well, it's possible with God's help. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So in other words, it's not really dependent, the power part on you, that's his part. And when you surrender, he provides what's needed. And his desire is to change you and to change me, to be so radically like Christ that we're able to actually live for his pleasure, to live for his will and not our own. You don't have to fake it. Uh, you don't have to hurry it up. Uh, you don't have to try harder. And just as you have no power to save yourself, you have no power to change yourself. No, he provides the power. And all you have to do is trust him. And that leads us to point two. If you will seek God's plan, he will empower you to live it out. Well, that's good news, isn't it? It kind of takes the pressure off, doesn't it? You see, God won't force you. He won't force you to give your all to him. When Jesus encountered his disciples uh, uh, originally, you remember, he said, follow me. He didn't say, now, Peter and John, throw down those nets. Quit fishing. Get over here and follow me. He didn't break into his Barney Five and say, y'all come. No, he spoke, and they responded. And I truly believe why so many Christians and the churches they attend are powerless in this day is that many people simply refuse to follow Jesus. They just don't want to follow him. Well, they like all the benefits, but they just don't like that radical lifestyle. Eh, let's don't get too radical. Let's just keep our, our Christianity kind of sterile, you know. We don't want to upset anybody, rub anybody the wrong way. But that's not what Jesus has called us to. When someone refuses to give up their own way, the result is conflict, discord, arguing, complaining and whining and fighting. And that disunity in turn sends a clear message to the world that the faith that we possess is impotent to accomplish what we proclaim it will do. And do you see how two-faced that message is to the world? It's like, I'm following Christ. He gives me power to live a changed life. And then they look at your life and they say, well, you don't any different than us. Mm, mm. Now, here's the plain truth. We don't serve an impotent God. God can do what he says he'll do. And earlier in the letter, chapter 1, Paul said, Christ will bring to completion what he began in you. And so now the question is, has anything actually began in you? Are you really his? Is he really yours? Has there been any kind of radical change to begin with? Have you come to faith in him? Because he's going to change you and his Holy Spirit is going to harangue you until you fall in line. Okay? Yeah. If you're really his, God disciplines every son he loves, the writer of Hebrews says. And he's not going to let you off the hook. He's going to continue that transformation process. And he's calling you to surrender and me to surrender. But see, I believe in God that is more than able. Paul told the Ephesians uh, that God is more than able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think 
according to what? The power that works in us. It's not something that you conjure up yourself. It's God in you. I wonder today, do you realize the power that's available to you today? The Word of God available to you today. It's that same Word that spoke the universe into existence. That same kind of power is available to you. And not just for the big things, also for little things. You know, we were out at the, the graveside for dear Norma's uh, uh, graveside funeral yesterday. And we were talking after it was over. It was cold, wasn't it? That cold was just whipping right through there. And as I was standing there by Brother Ken, I says, Lord, could you part those clouds and bring a little sunshine to me and warm me up a little bit? You know what? He did. I had heat on my back there until it was time for me to say a few words. God cares about the little things too. And if he can speak a universe into existence, he can part a few clouds and bring a little heat. And we ought to depend on him for those kinds of things. You say, well, preacher, that's kind of a goofy thing to ask. Well, is it really? If, if God's at my disposal uh, to, for all the things, it's not like that I'm pulling a chain and saying, God, give me this, give me that all the time. But if I recognize he runs it all anyway, is it okay for me, his child, uh, to ask for something that the Father longs to give? Amen. Amen. Doesn't mean he'll give me everything I asked for, but I sure was thankful for it that day. His power is available to those who love him with all their heart, soul, and mind, and those who really care about people, and those who share him as he's commanded us to do. So let me ask you a question this morning, and I believe it's a sober question. Who are you living for? As you think about 2024, who are you living for? First Church Godly, who are you living for? Do we really exist unto ourselves? Well, I certainly hope not. I hope not. The mind self that is self-serving says, this is our church. This is our church. And we don't want anybody messing with our church. This is our stuff. And we don't want anybody messing with our stuff. Well, you know, the last time I checked, this is not our church. It's his church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's Jesus' church. And all the stuff that you see around buildings, all of this equipment up here, all that stuff over there, all that stuff down there, that's his stuff. Remember, he's the one that spoke it all into existence. It's not our stuff. What is it then? It's a resource. It's a resource that he's, he's, in, he's allowed us to be able to use it, hoping and praying and giving us all the power and the resources necessary that we'll be able to add value to other people's lives in need. And that in some way, through his strength and his power and his word and through the witness, we'll be able to reach some for Jesus. That's really what it's about, folks. It's not about us. It's about him. And it's about giving our stuff away. It's about giving ourselves away. And we need to be thinking in 2024 about how to be a resource for other people and how to add value to them. That's the reason why Paul says these words. He says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, 
holding fast the word of life so that I might rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You see, there were some in the congregation there at Philippi, and Philippi was a church that uh, it was a, a cut above a lot of them. Paul loved them. He really loved them, but there, was, there were some in the congregation that had a hard time playing nice together. And I know that's hard to believe, especially in a Baptist church, uh, that there would be anybody who would ever get upset with somebody else. <laughs> but they had a hard time playing nice because they were self-centered. And as I looked at this text, it reminded me of earlier text in Deuteronomy where Moses dealt with complaining people in Deuteronomy 30. And you'll remember that even though God had delivered Israel from 400 years of slavery in Egypt and brought them out with great power and miraculous deeds, and he provided for their every need, they still complained and whined about it. Uh, believe it or not, they complained about their water situation. I don't have enough to drink. And they complained about their food situation. God provided, well, we're tired of eating manna and quail. Can't you give us a steak or something else? And then they, they complained about their leadership situation. And God had only given them the most humble person on the face of the planet at the time, Moses. But you know what? That wasn't good enough. And so they complained about that too. Still, just before Moses went up on Mount Nebo to die, he said, the Lord your God will make you abound in the work of your hand and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and statutes which are written in the book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Now let's return to the words of Paul. Paul's in prison where he's likely to face death. And in verse 17 he says, yes, I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. And I am glad and rejoice with you all. What is Paul saying to them? He's saying, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And I followed him over hill and dale everywhere he asked me to go. And I've given myself for you. Don't make it all in vain. Don't make it all for nothing. Don't do that. Now fast forward from Moses' words and Paul's words about complaining but living for Christ. Just as Israel lived in a pagan and perverse world, and just as Paul lived in a pagan and perverse world, so you and I live in a pagan and a perverse world, a crooked generation. And people are listening to what you claim that you believe. And they're watching and listening to see if your walk matches your talk. And Paul said God's power is working in you to live the Christ life so that you'll be able to shine in a dark world. Remember your Christian witness. It begins in your home. 
before you ever darken the doors of a church meeting, before you ever go through the door of your job, wherever that is, or to school, that witness begins at home. Will Rogers once said, live lives that you wouldn't be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. That's good. I like that. Well, what about outside the home? Well, the best advice that I could give you is be careful who you hang with. Be careful who you talk with and spend all your time with because you're going to become just like them. If you spend time with the town gossip, you're probably going to become one of the biggest gossips around. If you spend time with a lot of negativity and negative people, then you're going to become a negative person. That's what's going to happen. The old saying, birds of the feather flock together. How true, how true that is. Max Licato tells of participating in a half iron man triathlon. And unfortunately, for part of that journey, he was next to a complainer. He write about it. He said, after the one and a half uh, mile swim and the 56 mile bike ride, I didn't have much energy left for the 13.1 mile run to follow. And neither did the fellow jogging next to me. And I asked him how he was doing and soon regretted posing the question. This stinks. This race is the dumbest decision I've ever made. He had more complaints than a taxpayer at the IRS. My response to him, goodbye. I knew if I listened too long, I'd start agreeing with him. So I caught up with a 66-year-old grandmother, and her tone was just the opposite. You'll finish this, she encouraged. It's hot, but at least it's not raining. One step at a time, don't forget to hydrate. Stay in there. Well, I ran next to her until my heart was lifted and my legs were aching, but I finally had to slow down. No problem. She waved and kept going. <laughs> and then I like this. Which of these two describes the counsel that you seek? Are you seeking to follow God's plan with a good attitude? So how do you do it? Well, Paul tells us how. Point three, if you're taking notes. The way to live out God's plan for your life and his power is to cling to his word. That's exactly what he says. By holding fast to the word of life. By faith, clinging to Jesus, by faith, clinging to and living by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Oh, what a high calling that is. But that's what we're called to. His word is your life. Paul said a similar thing to the believers in Thessalonica. He said, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as if it is the truth, the word of God, which also effectively, listen to this, works in you who believe. You see, it's not just a book on a shelf. It's just not a recording of a sermon uh, that you heard online or that you heard on the radio. The Bible, the Word of God is living and active, the Bible says. It has power to work in you. The Word of God. What kind of Word? Once again, the same Word that spoke the universe into existence. That's powerful, isn't it? And it can be powerful that way in your life, too. 
get his word into your life. It's not too hard. But it's not uncommon sometimes to hear people say, well, you know, I've tried to read the Bible before, but it's just too difficult. I get lost in all the these and thous. Okay? Get a translation that doesn't have any these and thous. We're not in uh, King James English times anymore. You know, it was written by King James uh, 300 and 400 years ago. Get you a good translation that uses modern uh, language so that you can get past all that. And then depend on God to help you because it's not too difficult. As a matter of fact, that, that idea that it's too difficult existed even during the days of Moses. If we go back to chapter 30, the same chapter, Moses has this discussion with these people in the wilderness. Believe it or not, it really happened. This is what he said. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it, proclaim it to us that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? I love verse 14. No. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. Now, remember, back in those days, this is prior to Christ. This is prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit to live inside you. So, really, when we look back and we look at today, we have it better than they did because we have him in us, and we have him in us to bring the word to our remembrance. Our part is to put that word in there. And if you'll make the effort, he'll help you understand it. And he will move it from your head to your heart to your hands. From knowing to being to doing. You can't reverse that process. There are a whole lot of Christians today who have a whole lot of head knowledge who just never made it to their heart. And when it's not in the heart, it'll never get to the hand. You'll never serve anybody else if it doesn't get into your hand. That's part of working out your salvation. Christian writer John Ortberg sums it up this way. I love his illustration. He says, significant human transformation always involves training, not just trying. Spirit transformation is a long-term endeavor. It involves God in us, and I liken it to crossing an ocean. Some people try day after day to be good, to become spiritually mature. That's like taking a rowboat across the ocean. It's exhausting and usually unsuccessful. Others have given up trying and thrown themselves entirely on relying on God's grace. They're like drifters on a raft. They do nothing but hang on and hope God gets them there. Neither trying nor drifting are effective in bringing about spiritual transformation. A better image is that of the sailboat, which if it moves at all, it's a gift of the wind. We can't control the wind, but a good sailor discerns where the wind is blowing and adjusts his sails accordingly. Working with the Holy Spirit, which Jesus likened to the wind in John chapter 3, means we have a part in discerning the winds, in knowing the direction we need to go, and in training our sails to catch the breezes that God provides. Isn't that good? Which way is the wind blowing for you today? Maybe you need to turn your boat completely around. 
because God's winds are blowing in the opposite direction. His winds are blowing opposite of the world's winds. You might need to turn them all the way around. You might just need to make a mid-course correction. Move yourselves a little bit. Put some things in your life and get rid of some things out of your life with the strength that he provides. But he's the one that provides the power. We adjust ourselves to follow him. Just like those disciples did. They had to stop fishing, didn't they? He said, hey, you're still going to be fishing, but not for fish. I will make you fishers of men. They had to change direction. And that's what he's calling us all to. And that is something the Holy Spirit does your whole life long. You never get over it. And we never arrive, do we? One day, one day when we cross over like Norma did, like Norm and, and Norma, then we'll have arrived in Jesus' presence. That is something to look forward to, isn't it? As Paul sailed toward the eternity of his earthly journey, he said, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Friends, we have every reason to be glad. We have every reason to be joyful. We have every reason to rejoice. Amen. Yes. Father, we thank you for your word. It meets us right where we are. And Lord, we might need to make some adjustments as each person thinks about their own lives. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will move in each of our hearts and minds and show us the things that, that you want to do, that we'll be willing to make those mid-course corrections. And Lord, that as we submit to you, you'll give us the power to do it. As we get your word into our heart and mind, that your Holy Spirit will convict us with those same words so that we can truly be a light in a dark generation, that we can add value to the lives of people around us. And Lord, with your help, that we might reach some with the gospel for Jesus' sake. Now, Lord, I pray for any soul today, any person here, any person watching online that, that's never had that opportunity where they've come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm leaving my old life behind. I trust you. I believe you died for me, that you were buried and rose again on the third day, and I want to follow you. Might they have the courage, wherever they are, to reach out and cling to Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet for a moment of invitation? And you respond how God leads you this morning. Miss Debbie, will you lead us?
week is go and find a friend to bring back with you next week. As I look around the auditorium, there's room to fit one person each for everybody that's here. Didn't the Lord provide for us in that way? Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's make that the challenge.